The following episode is explicit and is intended for mature audiences. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Nathaniel Avila reporting from Dallas County, and I'm here with Ruby Rodriguez, also from Dallas County. How are you I'm doing today? Live. I'm reporting live from my classroom. How is the classroom? The classroom is filled with an apple, a pencil, a calculator. A binder? I don't know what, I don't know what that pink thing is like. That's there, a folder. That's a folder and a it's a folder and a journal and another okay. pencil. And another pencil and then like a, a pair. We got a pair who's very uninterested. Oh yeah. Whatever we got to say. So. So uh, tell tell me we what are, are we doing? Ready to learn. What are we talking about today? Today we are going to be learning because that's what we do on this whole three sixty podcast is we learn mm. <laughs> about the history um, of the peoples in America and today's episode will specifically be about the people of Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's right. The Boricuas. Yeah. So tell me, what do you know about Puerto Rico? I don't know much. Um, I mean, I do know that it's a part of the U.S. technically. They are actually, you know, a part of the United States. Um, I do know that Donald Trump was throwing paper towels at them okay. <laughs> during a crisis. Um, I do know that I'm fascinated with the way that they speak their their Spanish. I guess is it is it a form of Spanish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I I just I'm fascinated by the way they speak so fast and the way that they you know use some of their words and. I don't know, just, I'm just fascinated with the way that they speak. Okay. And um, I love their music. I love lots of artists, lots of uh, Puerto Rican artists. They have very good, um, they just have like their own like kind of style, you know, like they're just in their own little world and not and on, on that island. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about that. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning to 430 BC okay wow so the settlement of Puerto Rico began with the establishment with the Oteroid culture from the Orinoco region of South America now some scholars suggest that their settlement dates back to 4,000 years an agricultural dig at the island of Vieques in 1990 found the remains of what is believed to be an Oteroid man named Named the Puerto Ferro Man, which was dated at around 2000 BC. Cool. So the Oteroid were displaced by the Solidoid, a culture of the same region that had arrived in the island between 430 and 520 BC. So the Oteroid are out, and the Solidoids are in. <clears throat> now, between the 7th and the 11th centuries, the Arawaks were thought to have settled on the island. Now, during this time, the Taino culture developed, and by approximately 1000 AD, it had become dominant. So, the Solidoid are out, and the Tainos are in. And the Taino culture is considered to be the definitive native Puerto Rican culture um, on the so island. So, were these cultures replaced, like how you're saying, in and out? They were just... How, how were they replaced? I mean, 
Was it was it just like they took over? Yeah, pretty much. Like, it doesn't specify like how or anything like that. Probably by fighting, most likely. Okay. <laughs> so the Taino culture was traced to the village of Soledero at the basin of the Orinoco River in Venezuela. Now the Taino migrated to Puerto Rico by crossing the Lesser Antilles. At the time of Columbus's arrival, an estimated 30 to 60,000 Taino Americans, led by the cacique or the chief Aguibana, inhabited the island. They called it Boroquen, which means the great land of the valiant and noble lord. Is that similar to that word, Boricua? Probably. Bueno, is it, does it mean something be. similar? What did you say that it was? What, what it means? Point? It means the great land of the valiant and noble lord. Oh, no, but the pronunciation of it. You said it was... Boriken? Bori okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure. What, is the, what does that mean? I'm saying it sounds very similar to Boricua. What does so Boricua that's what, mean? That's what Puerto Ricans call... Are, are, they call themselves, you know, like Boricua. Mm. You so... should know. That's your culture. <laughs> Oh, okay. So the natives lived in small villages led by the cacique and substance, uh, sustained, oh, subs, uh, sustained on hunting, fishing, and gathering of indigenous cassava root and fruit. <clears throat> when the Spaniards arrived in 1943, the Taino were already in conflict with the raiding Carib, who were moving up the Antilles chain. So the Taino domination of the island was rearing its end, and the Spanish arrival marked the beginning of their believed extinction. Mm. As is the trend when Spaniards arrive anywhere. So now the Spanish are here. What do you think? I think there's going to be a lot of slavery. How dare you? That goes around. <laughs> so... <clears throat> However, due to a discovery of the pre-contact skeletal remains of subsequent DNA testing, we now know the Taino people live on in their descendants. Now, their culture, however, remains part of contemporary Puerto Rico. Like musical instruments such as maracas and giro, the hammock, and words such as mayaguez, uh, arecibo, iguana, caguas, and hurricane are examples of legacy left by the Taino. Is it hurricane or is it huracan? Probably the one you said, but I'm saying hurricane. Okay. <laughs> Why are you asking me this? Does the other one sound like the way that they should sound and then at the end you're like, hurricane. Hurricane. <laughs> so, okay, so we're going to talk about Columbus. Which is something that happened uh you know, devastatingly over there in Puerto Rico because they're an island. Yeah, it never happens so. in America. Well, I mean, like it does, but like <laughs> it doesn't happen to all of America. Whereas, uh, I think Puerto Rico, Rico is America, Ruby. Well, yeah, I check get what you're saying, but I think you mean the island. Check the yourself island. before you wreck yourself. <laughs> I think what you meant to say. It let me, let in me, that part of America. Let me mansplain this to you. Oh uh, my god. <laughs> it's, I, think, I think what you meant to say was mainland America. 
Okay, mainland America. Okay. You have been mansplained. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in uh, so we're gonna talk about Columbus. Are you ready to talk about Columbus? No. What? Why not? <laughs> Yeah, the children, the kiddies need to know about Columbus. Take notes, Apple. This is important. With his creepy hands and fingers. <laughs> I know it's looking mighty delicious. I might end up taking a bite out of him. <laughs> I I keep on thinking the pencil is a banana. I know, right? It's just because you see the apple. That's why. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going to go to September 24th, 1493. Now, Columbus set sail on his second voyage with 17 ships and 1,200 to 1,500 soldiers from Cadiz. <coughs> on November, <night, coughs> November 19th, 1493, okay. no, I'm dying. He landed on the island, naming it San Juan Bautista. In honor of St. John the Baptist. And then he started, because I'm an island boy. He started singing that song. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Is that like the only thing those guys are known for? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so the first European colony, Capara, was founded in August 6, 1508 by Juan Ponce de Leon a lieutenant under Columbus, who was greeted by the Taino cacique Aguibana, who, and who later became the first governor of the island. Now, Ponce de Leon was actively involved in the Higüe Massacre of 1503 in Española, which is present-day Dominican Republic. In 1508, Ponce de Leon was chosen by the Spanish crown to lead the conquest and slavery of the Taino Indians for gold mining operations. Hmm. Wait, so did you say who became the governor? Was it the Tahino? Tahino or the Ponce de Leon? Guys? Ponce de Leon. Okay. That makes sense. Mm hmm. I was going to say, wait, they put a Tahino as a governor, but then they slaughtered them. <laughs> okay. Which wouldn't be too hard to believe, but I was just making sure I got the facts straight. Mm hmm. So the following year, the colony was abandoned in favor of a nearby islet on the coast named Puerto Rico, which had a sustainable harbor. So do you know what Puerto Rico means? Um, in the translation, sounds like rich port. Right. It is called that because it had lots of riches in it. So we could take so that. So they went towards Puerto Rico uh, a so as a, as a part of that um, gold mining operation? Yeah, they abandoned they the, the gold mining operation in Española and they moved to Puerto Rico. Because they found out there was gold over there. Probably, yeah. Okay. So in 1511... So there was no more in Dominican Republic? All or... I know is that they abandoned it. Okay. Now in 1511, the second settlement, San Germán, was established in the southwestern part of the island. According to the 500th Florida Discovery Council Roundtable, on March 3rd, 1513, Ponce de Leon organized and commenced an expedition with a crew of 200, including women and free African people of African descent. So, 
We're very inclusive. Very mm. inclusive. We have women and uh, people of African descent who are free. So what is your opinions and, on that? And, and who was the one that sailed with them? Um, that was Ponce de Leon. Okay, the Spaniard. Yeah, it was a Spanish. And he was bringing them to Puerto Rico just because? Well, there he was. They were part of his crew. Um, okay, so it was his crew. Yeah, they were gonna do an expedition. Okay. That is that. What's your opinions on that? I don't know. It sounds like sus. Why was that sus? <laughs> so I don't. I don't want to say anything yet. Okay, so departing from Punta Aguada, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. <laughs> now, Puerto Rico was the historic first gateway to the discovery of Florida which opened to the door to the settlements of the southeastern United States. Now, they introduced Christianity, cattle, horses, sheep, the Spanish language, and more to the land, meaning Florida, that later became the United States of America. And this settlement occurred 107 years before the pilgrims landed. So they were here a century before those guys. Now, during the 1520s, the island took the name of Puerto Rico, while the port became known as San Juan. Isn't San Juan like the um, capital? Mm-hmm. Puerto Rico? San yeah. Juan. Oh. Okay, so, now the Spanish settlers established the first encomienda system, under which natives were distributed to Spanish officials to be used as slave labor. Mm, there it is. What do you mean there it is? It's been there forever. It's never <laughs> not been there. I oh, know. I was waiting for you to mention that. Okay. So on December 27th, 1512, under pressure from the Catholic Church, Ferdinand II of Aragon issued the Borgos Laws which modified the Ecomunienda to a system called Repartimiento, <clears throat> aimed at ending the exploitation. Now, the laws prohibited any use of any form of punishment towards the indigenous people, regulated their work hours, pay, hygiene, and care, and ordered them to be catechized. <clears throat> so, that's good. So, in 1511, the Tainos revolted against the Spanish... Now, Cacique Oyuguan, or Uayoan, as, as planned by Oguaybana II, ordered his soldiers to drown the Spanish soldier Diego Salcedo to determine whether the Spaniards are, were immortal. Now, after drowning Salcedo, they kept watch over his bodies to, for three days to confirm his death. So, what are you, what are you laughing for? Nobody like came around to see the body. Like they must have been in a place where nobody else would come along. I guess I don't know. I guess, but <laughs> the Taínos we were watching them, watching his body like a hawk. They were just like looking at him, just like staring at him. Yeah, they must have had a lot of like shifts to watch the body. Uh huh. <laughs> so the revolt was actually easily crushed by Ponce de Leon, and within a few decades, much of the native population had been de decimated by disease, violence, and high occurrence of suicide. 
Now, as a result, Taino culture, language, and traditions were generally destroyed and were claimed to have vanished 50 years after Columbus arrived. Now, since the early 21st century, efforts have been made to revive and rebuild the Taino culture. So, that's good. Yeah, that is good. Are you going to help try to rebuild the Taino culture? You should. That's your culture. <gasps> How dare you. <laughs> I'm still trying to help uh, keep my Mexican culture alive mm-hmm. here in the U.S. This is hard enough as it is. So the Catholic Church of Chapelle, realizing the opportunity to expand its influence, also participated in colonizing the island. On August 8, 1511, Pope Julius II established three dioceses in the New World, one in Puerto Rico, and two in the island of Española under the Archbishop of Seville. Now the canon of Salamanca, Alonso Manzo, was appointed Bishop of Puerto Rican Dioceses. On September 26, 1512, before his arrival on the island, the first school of advanced studies was established by the bishop. Taking possession in 1513, he became the first bishop to arrive in the Americas. Puerto Rico would also become the first ecclesiastical headquarters of the New World during the reign of Pope Leo X and the general headquarters of the Spanish Inquisition in the New World. Mm. Now, as part of the colonization colonization process, African slaves were brought to the island in 1513 following the decline of the Taino population. More slaves were brought to Puerto Rico. However, the number of slaves in the island paled in comparison in those to those in neighboring islands. So Puerto Rico was one of like the more the least like slave populated places. Um, so it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. <laughs> I don't know why you're putting words in my mouth, Ruby. I'm not. I'm saying that. Okay. <laughs> So also early in the early in the colonization of Puerto Rico, attempts were made to wrest control of Puerto Rico from Spain. The Caribs, the raiding tribe of the Caribbean, attacked Spanish settlements along with the banks of the Guao and Macau rivers in 1514 and again in 1521. But each time they were repelled by Spanish firepower. However, these could not be the last attempts of control in Puerto Rico, and European powers quickly realized the potential of the newly discovered lands and attempted to gain control of them. Now, the first school in U.S. controlled Puerto Rico uh, was the Grammar School, and uh, the school was established by Bishop Alonzo Manzo in 1513 in the area where the Cathedral of San Juan was to be constructed. Now, the school was free of charge and the courses taught were latin literature history science art philosophy and theology so yeah the first ever major university in the americas happened here in puerto rico um and it was and it was free so it was free you hear that why can't we have free schooling anymore god darn it (laughs) Now you have to have the loans, man. You need yeah, the loans. the loans. Yep. And it was established by the Catholics, just saying. 
Well, I mean, they were the only ones that were there. Yep, you snooze, you lose. That had the power to do so. Yep, and they did. Surprised they gave us anything free. <laughs> <laughs> so, you what? What do you what do you feel is a colonial European? What do you think a colonial European hates more than anything? A colonial European hates, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like they got it made. They hate other colonial Europeans. Oh, okay. That's the one thing a colonial European hates more than anything. Other colonial <laughs> Europeans. Not the natives, but themselves. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't really like the natives, but they despise other Europeans. So we're going to talk about that conflict right now. So, sparked by the possibility of immersed, immer, immense wealth, many European powers made attempts to, to wrest control of the Americas from Spain in the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries. Success and invasion varied and ultimately all Spanish opponents failed to maintain permanent control of the island. In 1528, the French, recognizing the strategic value of Puerto Rico, sacked and burned the southwestern town of San Germán. They also destroyed many of the island's first settlements, including Guanaca, Sotomayor, uh, Dagao, and Loiza, before the local militia forced them to retreat. The only settlement that remained was the capital, San Juan. French uh, corsairs would again sack San Germán in 1538 and 1554. Now, Spain, determined to defend its position, began the fortification of the inlet of San Juan in the early 16th century. In 1532, construction of the first fortifications began with the fortress the fortress <laughs> mm -hmm. near the entrance of san juan bay do you want to see a photo of uh the fortress yeah of course we do don't we class all right so i'm going to show you a photo of the fortress you gotta say it like that every time the fortress <laughs> <laughs> all right so here it is that is the fortress So what is what do you think about it? And so they built this for what reason? For the French. To to keep the French out. Yep. Or to oh, defend okay. themselves from other Europeans, namely the other French. Europeans. Oh my goodness. What? So it looks like to me. I don't know why it reminds me of a prison. It does look very prisony. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they did but have. It's prison. basically like a. A big um, brick wall. It looks like it's made out of brick, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they call they and do it, call San Juan the walled city. It says view on the band. Yeah, it looks very weathered down right now. Well, yeah, because it's like it's like five hundred <laughs> years super old. Super old, yeah. But it's still, like it still looks like it's standing, so it must have been built pretty well. Mm -hmm. And it's surrounded by. Like, it's basically at the edge of the bay. Mm -hmm. And it's surrounded by 
greenery and it looks like the coast has some like how do I say the cliff like it looks like a cliff and that's where it's next to to the cliffs mm -hmm. that are right there on the bay yeah and it looks like they have is that a watchtower yeah it's a watchtower where they keep keep top? watch for other ships yeah it looks pretty cool. I mean, it looks like it was very well built. It's still standing today, so. Would you ever like to visit there? Sure. I'd like to visit anywhere historical. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, the fortress. The fortress. The fortress. Now, seven years later, the construction of massive defenses around San Juan began, including Fort San Felipe de Moro astride the entrance to San Juan Bay. Later, Fort San Cristobal and Fortín de San uh, Jorinimo, built with a financial subsidy from Mexican from the Mexican mines, garrisoned troops and defended against land attacks. In 1587, engineers Juan de Tejada and Juan Bautista Antonelli redesigned Fort San Felipe de Moro. These changes are still here today. Now, politically, Puerto Rico was re reorganized in 1580 into a captaincy general to provide more autonomy and quick administrative responses to military threats. So, there's that. So, on September 22nd, 1593, I mean 1595, Spanish privateer Sir Francis Drake, with 27 vessels and 2,500 troops, sailed into San Juan Bay, intending to sack the settlement. So now the British are here, Ruby. Dang, everybody's trying to fight for this. Mm -hmm. So first it was the French, and now the, sp the English are here. <coughs> okay. So however, they were unable to overcome the Spanish for forces entrenched in the forts. Knowing Drake had failed to overcome the city's defenses by sea, on June 15, 1598, the Tudor Navy, led by George Clifford, landed troops from 21 ships in the east of Santurce. Clifford and his men came under heavy Spanish fire while attempting to cross the San Antonio Bridge, which is uh, an area known today as Candando, into the Isle islet of san juan nonetheless the english captured the island and held it for several months and they were forced to abandon the island owing to an outbreak of dysentery among their groups the following What's dysentery? year dysentery um yeah. it's a type of like disease that results in bloody diarrhea um other symptoms may include fever abdominal oh pain the feeling of uh incomplete defecation also and it also uh includes dehydration it'll dehydrate you that's horrible mm -hmm. so it sounds like that was mother nature fighting back <laughs> you think that's it <laughs> so the following year spain or somebody put a curse on them i don't know was there any kind of uh, witchcraft that went on. I don't know, in maybe. Puerto Rico. I don't think so. 
That sounds kind of like weird, right? Maybe. I mean, that there was an outbreak of, of people who didn't have any toilet paper? Pro no. No, I mean like that the British came and they were able to conquer the land and then they all felt sick, you know, with that issue. I mean, regardless of how it happened, it's just kind of odd that they had to retreat because of that. Mm. You know. But don't worry, I know you're you're wondering, did the Spanish come back? And they did. They sent soldiers, <laughs> cannon, and a new governor named Alonso de Mercado to rebuild the city of San Juan. So the Spanish have it again. Of course they do. Now, in the 17th and 18th century, saw more attacks on the island. On September 25th, 1625, the Dutch came in. <laughs> what? It's so crazy how these people are just like, no, I want the land. No, I want the land. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. That's colonial Europe, Europe for you. Yeah, tell it, me about it. And it's like, they, they literally did that. Like, all of Europe literally did that all over to the, you know, west of the globe. Like, that, that's all they wanted to do is they were constantly trying to, you know, grab land and see what they could get, even though that land was already somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. yeah, so they're all like, it's mine, 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 mine. <laughs> so, yeah, so the Dutch are that's, here now. That's a very short uh, history summary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mine, 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 mine. <laughs> yep. And then they're like, hey, it's the golden age of exploration. We gots to do this. So exploring it, is nothing has nothing to do with conquering and slaughtering. I don't know what either of those words mean. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> so under the leadership of Balduino Enrico attacked San Juan, besieging Fort San Felipe de Moro and La, uh, the fortress. <gasps> Residents fled the city, but the Spanish, led by Governor Juan de Aro, were able to repel the Dutch for Dutch troops from Sort San Felipe de Moro. The fortification of San Juan continued. In 1634, Philip IV of Spain fortified Fort San Cristobal along with six fortresses linked by a line of sandstone walls surrounding the city. In 1702, the English are back. <laughs> Launch an expedition to capture the town of Arecibo, located in the north coast west of San Juan, with no success. In 1797, the French are back, and the French and the Spanish, they team up, and they declare war on Great Britain. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. They're like, the enemy of, how do you say, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, the British attempted to gain, again, to capture the island, invading San Juan with an invasion force of 7,000 troops and an armada consisting of 64 ships under the command of General Ralph Abercrombie. Now, Abercrombie? Yep. From Abercrombie and Fitch? I don't know if they're related. <laughs> Now, Captain General Don Ramon de Castro and his army successfully repelled, repulsed the British who withdrew. Now, amidst the constant attacks, 
the first threads of Puerto Rican society emerged. So finally, after the constant people constantly invading and be like, it's mine, it's mine. Finally, culture can finally come out. So finally, yeah. In 1765, census conducted by Lieutenant General Alejandro O'Reilly showed a total population of 44,883, of which 5,000, uh, or at least 11.2%, were slaves. Now, a low percentage compared to other Spanish colonies in the Caribbean. In 1786, the first comprehensive history of Puerto Rico uh the history the geographical civil and political history of puerto rico by fray inigo uh yeah inigo uh, abad y la sierra was published in madrid documenting the history of puerto rico from the time of columbus's landing in 1493 until 1783 the book also presents the first-hand account of puerto rican identity including music clothing personality and nationality so yeah, now the constant war is done between the Europeans. So But there's still slavery. Yeah, of course it's still slavery. <laughs> oh. So what's your opinion on all so that? So they really can't move forward as a society if they are still having slaves. So not until they got rid of the slaves could they really move forward to a better society. Mm. So now we're going to basically go into the early 19th century, which brought many changes to Puerto Rico, both political and social. In, in 1809, the Spanish government, in opposition to Napoleon, was convened in Cadiz, southern Spain. Uh, while still swearing allegiance to the king, the Supreme Central Junta invi <laughs> invited voting representatives from the colonies, Ramon Power y Garalt, was nominated as the local delegate to the Cortes of Cadiz, which served as a, a, a parliamentary regency after Ferdinand VII was deposed by Napoleon. Now, the Power Act soon followed, which designed five ports for free commerce. Uh, Fajardo, Mayagüez, uh, Aguadilla, <coughs> Cabo Rojo, and Ponce and establish economic reforms with the goal of developing a more efficient economy. In 1812, the Cadiz Constitution was adopted, dividing Spain and its territories into provinces, which each with local corporation or council to promote its prosperity and defend its interests. This granted Puerto Ricans conditional citizenship. So, good job. And, but all the while, this is still under Spain's rule, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no, this is under Pol Napoleon's rule now. Under Puerto Rico's under Napoleon's rule? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Napoleon basically came in. Now Spain is a part of France. And since Spain owned Puerto Rico, and now Spain is France now, Puerto Rico is now part of France. So, so confusing. So yeah, Napoleon came in, he he conquered Spain, deposed Ferdinand VII, and now he's doing all this stuff with Puerto Rico. Now on August 10th, 1815, the Royal Decree of Grace was issued, 
allowing foreigners to enter Puerto Rico, including French refugees from Hispaniola, and opening the port to trade with nations other than Spain. <coughs> this was... <coughs> this was the beginning of agriculture-based economic growth, with sugar, tobacco, and coffee being the main products. Now, the decree also gave free land to anyone who swore their loyalty to the Spanish crown and their allegiance to the Catholic Church. So, you get the land, Ruby. Mm. Now, thousands of families from all regions of Spain, uh, particularly uh, Asturias, Catalonia, Majorca, and Galicia, <clears throat> along with Germany, uh, Corsica, Ireland, France, Portugal, the Canary Islands, and other locations esca escaping from harsh economic times in Europe and lured by the offer of free land, soon immigrated to Puerto Rico. So now all these different European places are coming to this tiny island. So now you're going to have a bunch load of other people. Mm-hmm. Now, however, these small gains in autonomy and rights were short-lived. Now, after the fall of Napoleon, absolute power returned to Spain, which revoked the Cadiz Constitution and reinstated Puerto Rico to its former condition as a colony, subject to unrestricted power of the Spanish monarch. So now, Napoleon's time, done. He's exiled. The Spanish, they're back in. So... And they're, they're not happy. They are not happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because all the rights that Napoleon gave to the Puerto Ricans living there, the Spanish monarch just basically came in and just took it all away. Mm. So what do you think so about that? So were conditions better living under Napoleon's rule? Probably, yeah, because he granted them uh, conditional citizenship and gave everyone free land. Uh, and he opened up the ports for trading, right? Yeah, and he opened up the ports for trading. Yeah, so more money, more economic flow. Mm-hmm. So, but hmm. now now the monarch is back, the Spanish monarch. Uh, he They came in, took it all away. They're like, psych! Now... Why are the Spanish so ugly? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now, the integration of immigrants into the Puerto Rican culture and other events changed Puerto Rican society. In June 25th, 1835, Queen Maria Cristina abolished the slave trade to Spanish colonies. So, slavery, done. Finally. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in 1851, Governor Juan de la... Uh, Pezuela Ceballos founded the Royal Academy of Belles Letters, or Bell's Letters. The Academy licensed primary school teachers, formulated school methods, and held literary contests that promoted the intellectual and literary progress of the island. So now things are finally looking up. So what do you think about that? Uh, Christina. I think they're finally looking up for the people who were not slaves because all the people who were slaves, they're kind of behind. Mm -hmm. No matter how much the other society has moved forward, so it's like they're still at a disadvantage because they have so much catching up to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad that they abolished 
Slavery. Mm-hmm. So in 1858, Samuel Morse introduced, introduced wired communication to Latin America when he established the telegraph system in Puerto Rico. Now, Morse's oldest daughter, Susan Walker Morse, would often visit her uncle Charles Pickering Walker, who owned the Hacienda Concordia in the town of Guayama. Morse, who often spent his winters at the Hacienda with his daughter and son-in-law, who lived and owned the Hacienda Enriqueta, set two-mile telegraph line communicating his son-in-law's Hacienda to their house in Arroyo. The line was inaugurated in March 1st, 1859 in a ceremony flanked by the Spanish and American flags. The first lines transmitted by Morse that day in Puerto Rico were this is what he had this is what the first uh communicated Morse thing was. Puerto Rico, beautiful jewel, when you are linked with other jewels of the Antilles in the necklace of the world's telegraph, yours will not shine less brilliantly on the crown of your queen. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, minor slave revolts had occurred on the island during this period. However, the revolt planned and organized by Marco Zioro in 1821 was the most important of them all. Even... Wait, I thought there was no more slaves. Uh... No, this was in 1821. They abolished slavery in 1835. Oh, okay, so you're going back. Mm-hmm. Even though the conspiracy was unsuccessful... He achieved legendary status among the slaves and is part of Puerto Ricans, Puerto Rico's folklore. So, there's that. So now, things are not done yet because Puerto Rico wants independence. They and don't. They should. They don't want to be. They've with, been under the Spanish rule for far too long. Yeah. They don't want to be with the Spanish anymore. They don't want to be with any European power for that matter. They want to be for themselves. So now, in the last half of the 19th century was marked by the Puerto Rican struggle for sovereignty. Now, a sentence conducted in 1860 revealed a population of 583,308. Of these, 51.5% were white and 48.5% were persons of color. The latter, including a people of primarily African heritage, mulattoes and mestizos. Now, the majority of the population in Puerto Rico was illiterate and lived in poverty and the agricultural industry at the time, the main source of income, was hampered by a lack of road infrastructure, adequate tools and equipment and natural disasters, including hurricanes and droughts. Now, the economy also suffered from increasing tariffs and taxes imposed by the Spanish crown. Therefore, furthermore, Spain had begun to exile or jail any person who called for liberal reforms. Hmm. So, what's your opinion on that? Um, it's, I mean, it's pretty much, what did they think? That Spain was going to give up their hold just like that? <laughs> I guess yeah, because Spain like has been the main dominant um, power that's always wanted to have a hold of that island. Mm-hmm. So they're not just going to give up that easy. And of course, they're going to jail you or kill you if you're trying to go against them. So. Mm-hmm. 
Now, on September 23rd, 1868, hundreds of men and women in the town of Lares, stricken by poverty and politically estranged from Spain, revolted against Spanish rule, seeking Puerto Rican independence. Now, the Lares cry was planned by a group of led by Dr. Ramon uh, Armeterio Betances, at the time <laughs> exiled to the Dominican Republic, and Segundo Ruiz Belvis, Dr. Uh, Betances, <clears throat> yeah, Dr. Betances had founded the committee, uh, the Revolutionary Committee of Puerto Rico in, Fe in January 1868. The most important figures of the uprising were Manuel Rojas, Matias Bergman, Maria Brasetti, Francisco Ramirez Medina, and Lola Rodriguez de Tio. The uprising, although significant, was quickly controlled by Spanish authorities. Of course. Mm. Now, following the Lara's cry, political and social reforms occurred toward the end of the 19th century. On June 4th, 1870, due to the efforts of Roman <coughs> Baldorio Baldori, Baldori de Castro, Luis Pad Barial and Julio Vizcarondo, uh, the Moray Law was approved, giving freedom to slaves born after September 17, 1868, or over 60 years old. So, on March 22, 1873, the Spanish National Assembly abolished, with a few special clauses, slavery in Puerto Rico. So, it is 100% gone. In 1870, I thought it was already. We, we gotta do it twice, <laughs> Ruby. So in, in in 1870, the first political organizations of the on the island were formed, as two fractions emerged: the traditionalists, known as the Liberal Conservative Party, were led by Jose R. Fernandez, Pablo Ubari, and Francisco Paula Acuna, and advocated back advocated assimilation into the political party system of Spain. No, those are two words you don't... <coughs> what? No, those are two words you normally don't hear together. Liberal, conservative. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, the autonomous, and then there we... Okay, there's them, and then we have the autonomous, known as the Liberal Reformist Party, which were led by Ramon Baldoriotti de Castro, Jose Julian Acosta, Nicolas Aguayo, and Pedro Hermanimo Goico, and advocated for decentralization away from Spanish control. So, what do you think? Which one would you join? The liberal the reform. The liberal reformist party. Absolutely. Why? Because um, the con it sounds like the conservative party is isn't really going to be the one to push for that change, and the reform party is. It's the Liberal Conservative Party. Yeah, the Liberal <laughs> Conservative Party, which sounds very oxymoronic to me. <laughs> you're, you're an oxymoron. Moronic. I'm kidding. <laughs> so you would join the Liberal Reformist Party because they were against going with the Spanish. Right. All right, so, but, you know, don't worry. So, don't worry. They both changed their names 
to the unconditional Spanish party and the reformist federal party, respectively. So, in March 1887, the... <clears throat> which one is it? The reformist federal party was reformed and named the Puerto Rican Autonomous Party. Now, it tried to create a political and legal identity for Puerto Rico while emulating Spain in all political matters. Now, this was led by Roman Baldoriotti de Castro, Jose uh, Salso Barbosa, Rosendo Matienzo Centron, and Luis Munoz Rivera. Now, leaders of the Lara's Cry were in exile in New York City and joined the Puerto Rican Revolutionary Committee founded in December 8, 1895, and continued their quest for Puerto Rican independence in 1897. Antonio's Mate uh, Ubarez and the local leaders of the independence movement of the town of Yauco organized another uprising, which became known as... <clears throat> which became known as... In the Intentonda de Yauco. Now, this was the first time the corn Puerto Rican flag was unfurled, was unfurled in Puerto Rican soil. And the local conservative political factions, which believed that such an attempt would be a threat to their struggle for autonomy, opposed such an action. Rumors of the planned event spread to the local Spanish authorities who acted swiftly and put an end to what would be the last major uprising in the island to Spanish colonial rule. Of course they did. So this is the flag here, the one that's behind you. No, this is the Tejano flag. Oh, this is the Tejano flag? Yep. Okay. Do you have a picture of the flag that you were talking about? Which flag? The one that you just mentioned. Uh, the, the regular Puerto Rican flag? Oh, okay. Is that the one they were talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> it was just the regular Puerto Rican flag. Um, but it, it does have different colors. It's just, like, brighter. So, now the struggle for autonomy came close to achieving its goal in November 25th, 1897, when the Charter of Autonomy, uh, which conceded political and administrative autonomy to the island, was approved in Spain. In the last 400-plus years, after centuries of colonial rule, Prazeres Mateo Sagasta, the Prime Minister of Spain, granted the island an autonomous government on November 25th, 1897, in the empire's legislative body in Cadiz, Spain. And trade was opened up with the United States and European colonies. So what do you think about that? So they're getting somewhere. Yeah, they're getting somewhere. Now they have their own autonomous government. But they're still not independent. Right. Yeah. Spoiler alert, they it's never like do. It's like they're trying to give them a little bit just to calm them down, but mm -hmm. it's like, it's not enough. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, they never get independence. So. <laughs> yeah. Puerto Rico never gets independence. Uh, so, uh, the charter maintained a governor appointed by Spain who held the power to veto any legislative decision he disagreed with and partially elected par uh, parliamentary structure. That same year, <clears throat> the Orthodox Autonomous Party, led by José Celso Balbosa and Manuel Fernández Juncos, was founded. 
on November 9th, 1898, the new government officially began. Local legislator set its own budgets and taxes. They accepted or rejected commercial treaties concluded by Spain. In February 1898, Ge Governor General Manuel Macias inaugurated the new governor of Puerto Rico under the anonymous charter, which gave town councils complete autonomy in local matters. But only local matters. Now, subsequently, the governor had no authority to intervene in civil and political matters unless authorized to do so by the cabinet. General elections were held in March and July, March and on July 17, 1898. Puerto Rico's autonomous government began to function, but not for long. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think happened? Uh, I'm pretty sure that Spain got tired again, and they just got fed up with them um, having their own autonomous government because they probably would try several times to change, you know, political things and civil things, and they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to deal with it. So they probably most likely just ended up taking it back. Okay. <laughs> what they gave them. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what actually happened. In 1890, Captain Alfred Thayer Mahan, a member of the Navy War Board and leading U.S. strategic thinker, wrote a book entitled The Influence of Sea Power Upon History, in which he argued for the creation of a large and powerful Navy modeled after the Royal Navy. Part of his strategy called for the acquisitions of colonies in the Caribbean Sea. These would serve as coaling and naval stations as well as strategic points of defense after construction of the canal in the isthmus since 1894 the naval war college had been formulating plans for war with spain and by 1896 the office of naval intelligence had prepared a plan in which included military operations in puerto rican waters so watch out because the americans are coming ruby yeah that's what it sounds like and of course they're gonna Listen to a guy who wrote a book about war. He's war a captain. Who was a naval officer. Yeah. Now, on March 10th, 1898, Dr. Julio J. Hena and Roberto H. Todd Wells, leaders of the Puerto Rican section of the, of the Cuban Revolutionary Party, began to correspond with United States President William McKinley and the United States Senate in hopes that they would consider including... Puerto Rico in the intervention planned for Cuba. Hena and Todd also provided the U.S. government with information about the Spanish military presence on the island. On, on April 24th, Spanish Minister of Defense Sigismundo Bornejo sent instructions to Spanish Admiral Cerveza to proceed with his fleet from Cape Verde to the Caribbean, Cuba, and Puerto Rico. Now, in May, Henry H. Whitney of the United States 4th Artillery was sent to Puerto Rico on a reconnaissance mission. He provided maps and information on the Spanish military forces to the U.S. government that would be useful for an invasion. The Spanish-American War broke out in late April. He was a spy for the Americans. Mm -hmm. The American strategy was to seize Spanish colonies in the Atlantic, 
which includes Puerto Rico and Cuba, and their possessions on the Pacific, which is which includes the Philippines and Guam. On May 10th, Spanish forces at Fort San Cristobal, under the command of Captain Angel Rovero Mendez in San Juan, exchanged fire with the USS Yale, under the command of Captain William C. Wise. Two days later, on May 12th, a squadron of 12 ships commanded by Rear Admiral William T. Sampson bombarded installations at San Juan. On June 25th, the USS Yosemite blocked San Juan Harbor. On July 18th, General Nelson A. Miles, commander of U.S. forces, received orders to sail, to sail for Puerto Rico and to land his troops. On July 21st, a convoy with nine transports and 3,300 soldiers escorted by the USS Massachusetts sailed, uh, yeah, sailed for Puerto Rico from Guantanamo. General Nelson Miles landed unopposed at Guanaca, located at the southern coast of the island, on July 25, 1898. With the first contingent of American troops, opposition was met with the southern and central regions of the island, but by the end of August, the island was under the United States control. USA! 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 Come on, Ruby! USA! I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna chant USA when it comes to war and conflict, just like I wouldn't chant for anybody else during war and conflict. Okay, suit yourself. So, <laughs> yeah, the Spanish are out, the Americans are in, and that's basically how it'll stay until present. Mm-hmm. So, on August 12th, peace protocols were signed in Washington, and Spanish commissions met in San Juan on September. September 9th to discuss the details of withdrawal of Spanish troops and the secession of the island to the United States. On October 1st, an initial meeting was held in Paris to draft a peace treaty, and on December 10th, 1898, the Treaty of Paris was signed, ratified by the U.S. Senate on February 6th, 1899. Spain renounced all claim to Cuba, ceded Guam and Puerto Rico and its dependent islands to the United States, and transferred sovereignty over the Philippines to the United States, and in turn was played was paid six hundred and twenty million dollars by the U.S. General John R. Brooke became the first United States military governor of the island. Mm-hmm. So let's look at this uh, eighteen ninety nine character by Louis Darimple which express like what what people's opinions are of these new colonies or, or of these new territories that America just got in 1899. Do you already see it? Mm-hmm. Let's see it. Okay, there it is. Oh, we got Uncle Sam. It says, an 1899 caricature by Lois Dalrymple showing Uncle Sam harshly lecturing four black children labeled Philippines, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and Cuba. So it looks like 
kind of like a looks like a courtroom slash classroom. The drawing does, and you see Uncle Sam at like a very high desk uh, type looking thing, like a podium type looking thing, and they don't even look like children. They look like grown people, but like you know, they've made them look like children. They made them the size of children, basically. And each of them has a label across them. And like it says, Philippines, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and Cuba. I guess, what is, I guess, are they trying to say that the U.S. is lecturing these countries? They're shown as, like, not very good. <laughs> do you, right. Do you, like, do you think that this is racist in any way? Oh, yeah. It definitely looks racist. And then we have... Like, not all of the people who live in those um, countries are black. <laughs> and then we have the white children. Right. Which is the like... white children. Yeah, like, we have... At best. We have Texas here. We have Nebraska. Um, other states. We have a Native American here reading a thing upside down. Yeah, a Native American who's not sitting with the other children with the other white children mm -hmm. we have like at the doorway we have what looks like a chinese person right here uh-huh like peering into the the doorway of like the classroom yeah and we have an african-american and then person we have here. a slave washing the windows mm -hmm. in the background right well it wasn't a slave but yeah you'd like a racist depiction of an african-american person mm -hmm. so what do you think what's your opinion on this uh on this uh cartoon i think it speaks volumes about how the u.s has always thought of themselves to be better than anybody else any other country mm. yeah pretty spot on and that is where we'll end it for today um with the history of puerto rico um yeah next tomorrow uh, next time we're gonna get into the united states rule of puerto rico which will include the uh their military government the foraker act of 1900 economic changes the jones act of 1917 uh and the establishment of the commonwealth and all that kind of stuff so that's what we're talking about. So what is your opinion of everything that we just talked about today? Uh, my opinion is that I really think that the people of Puerto Rico should be independent. Um, they were never allowed to govern themselves. They were never given an opportunity to govern themselves, it seems like. And we would never know what... Um, possibilities existed under that mm -hmm. so what do you think about like all these different european powers trying to acquire this island oh i mean i thought i was pretty clear-cut on that i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> i feel like that's just um you know colonial colonization is not something that i am very like pleased about when it comes to history mm-hmm do you think that they were only doing it because another person had it or another power had it? 
I think they did it because they've always been, these powers have always been very greedy. <gasps> and they don't want to share. And even if there was like a mere rumor or a mention, oh, there's gold there or there's riches there or there's something there that, you know, that the other person has, you know, let's go get it. You know, like, it's just like a bunch of little kids shit. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Is that what you call it? Yeah. It's sad because these are like grown ass men. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, that that's the first part of Puerto Rico. We should be able to end it next time, so it could be like a nice two-parter of the history of Puerto Rico. Uh, so yeah, okay. that'll be that. We're gonna talk about the U.S. Uh, rule next time, and yeah, I've been Nathaniel Avila, and I'm Ruby Rodriguez. Yep, and did, off. yeah, say bye, Apple. I'm going to go and eat the apple (laughs) so he may not be here next time. (laughs) Oh, no. So did you learn a lot, Ruby? Yes, I did. I learned a lot more about Puerto Rico. Than you did before? Than I had before. Yep. So, yep, that's – and you learned – what was the one thing that you learned? Um, I learned how – they just never ever got the chance to govern themselves. Like I said, they've never been independent. They've always been constantly under, you know, territory grab. Mm-hmm. Back and forth. And do you think that should change? Yes. Okay. We'll get into uh, that next time about what what their what people's opinions are of that nowadays, under the American rule. All right, so yeah, I, I was actually going to ask that question too, but we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that uh, next time. All right, I've been Nathaniel Avila, this is Ruby Rodriguez, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for attending our history lesson. Bye. Yep. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Vision Podcast, home of Wacky Talkies, The Kingdom, Evil Exists, and many more.